Welcome to the podcast of Outpost Church in McLarenvale, where we seek to be apprentices of Jesus. We are currently looking at the Sermon on the Mount, which can be found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus is announcing the kingdom of heaven with its implications for every aspect of our lives. There is so much for us to learn and to put into practice. Let's get into it with this teaching from our Sunday gathering. explain it. You can just uh, watch it and enjoy. Thanks, Esther. You're all mocking. There's about another six minutes of just darkness and then the GoPro turns off. So fortunately, Charlotte's head was not still attached to the GoPro as it descended down to the depths. But um, I first found out about the GoPro sitting at the bottom of Darwin Harbour um, just after finding out that um, my wallet was missing. So what had happened was Christy had taken our older four kids onto that very fun looking apparatus out in Darwin Harbour. Um, and I had Eden, and Eden was swimming around, um, and I was, I was with her. And then someone comes up to me and says, have you lost your wallet? I was like, I don't think so. Uh, and she said, oh, someone's found a brown wallet, like a brown rectangular wallet. I was like, oh, mine's like square. It's not rectangular. Um, but I was like, I'll look for it. So I went in, I was having a look um, through our gear. And then she just, um, like, as I was looking through our gear trying to find a wallet, this lifeguard comes up to me and says, oh, I'm just a messenger letting you know uh, that your kids um, have lost the GoPro and they want their goggles so they can try and find it. Um, so I found the goggles, gave them to the lifeguard and continued looking for my wallet. Couldn't find it. Um, so it seemed that it was my wallet, but now this lady who seemed to be a godsend in letting me know about a missing wallet was nowhere to be found. Uh, neither was the person that she'd referenced that had found the actual wallet. Uh, so anyway, I went off having a look around and chatting to different people about it, trying to find my wallet. And then eventually uh, someone said, I'll call this number, um, like look up the number and then call this place. They might, they might have it. Um, so I went to my phone and saw that someone had found me on Facebook and sent me a message 
saying, I think I've found your wallet, call this number. Uh, so I called the number and she says, oh, I'm just on my way out of uh, the area now, but I'll turn around and, and come back. I was like, awesome, thank you so much. Um, there was that little bit of suspicion in me, like, why is she driving away with my wallet? But it was more just relief that it had been found. Um, so anyway, the plan, the whole time, the plan had been that Christy would go out with the kids for half an hour on this equipment. She'd come back in and then I'd have a turn. Um, and so Christy, when the GoPro had gone down to the bottom of the harbour, it was probably how many minutes in, do you reckon, Christy? Less than five. So it was pretty early on. Um, so to her credit, Christy stayed and played with the kids for a little bit. There's an epic one. We didn't see it there, but you can like jump on this pillow. So you have one person or maybe two jump on this pillow and someone else who's sitting on the pillow then gets like catapulted up into the air and into the water. Um, so Christy still did that a couple of times with the kids, had a bit of fun and then came in um, and tag teamed with me. Um, so I went out and um, I, you might have noticed there's like a trampoline thing that Charlotte was jumping on. I was like, all right, I'll try that first. Um, so Christy had gone down. She actually come really close to finding it. She was able to get to the bottom um, and noticed that there was a bit of light, enough light down there to see. Uh, she saw that it wasn't just silt that the GoPro would sink into. There was hope. Um, she's like, I think there's a chance you can find it. You should go back and get on that. Um, so I went out with my mission, clear mission, uh, rescue the GoPro. Uh, so went out and jumped off the trampoline and into the water. Not a good diver, so I went feet first. Wasn't a good idea. Uh, I was like, there's no chance that's going to work. So went down again. Wasn't promising. Uh, long story that I'm making kind of long anyway, uh, that I'm going to cut short now, <laughs> is that my second to last attempt, I got to the bottom and I was like, <gasps> I can actually see the bottom. Like Christy had said, I can actually see the bottom. There is hope. And so I went down with renewed hope and then I saw it and I was like, I think that's the GoPro. It's certainly a black thing that doesn't look natural. Swam down and it was not only the head strap, but the GoPro was still attached and like, you know, punched a few crocs on the way up. And then victory, there it was. Kids were very excited. Everyone else that was out there with us was very excited for us. The GoPro had been recovered. And then we stayed on and played around, had a lot of fun uh, and went in. And someone had returned the wallet to Christy by that point. Wallet, check, GoPro, check. How fun is it to find something that is missing? How good is it? And there are some things that are definitely worth searching for. Um, I remember being told many, many years ago that for the richest person in the world, if they drop a $100 note, it is not worth their time to pick it up. Like, whoa. Surely it's worth their time. Surely, you know, they can just down and pick it up. And it, but even for those of us who don't have such an impressive bank account, there are times that you wouldn't pick up a $100 note. Like if a bus is bearing down on you, you're not going to stop and pick up a $100 note. <laughs> Jess is going to go for the double win. <laughs> How big's the bus? <laughs> There's been times when I have decided to take my phone out of my pocket because I'm like around water and I know that if one of my kids was to say fall off the jetty, I'm not going to take the time to empty my pockets before jumping in after them. Like there's times where something valuable, like a GoPro, like a wallet, suddenly pales into insignificance.
compared to something else. Like if there's a lost child and there is water around or a road, you suddenly don't care how you might be perceived by other people. You want to find that child and you're willing to look like whatever in order to find said child. It's amazing how our perspective changes um, in different situations. We today are continuing in the Sermon on the Mount. Where can we find the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew, no, I said the Bible this time. Yes, it is in Matthew and it is in the Bible. What chapters? Five, six, and seven are the three chapters that contain the Sermon on the Mount. We've gone through chapter five, we've gone through chapter six. Dave kicked us off into chapter seven last week and we are continuing on. So if you want to open up a Bible to Matthew chapter seven and starting at verse seven. This is a reasonably well-known passage, um, and it finishes with one of the most well-known things that Jesus ever said. But don't skip ahead. Don't be distracted by what I just said. Just like, let's stay in the moment. Let's get there together. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. For this is the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you so much for Jesus. We want to thank you that Jesus has changed everything for everyone throughout history. Thank you that he has come to do what we could not do on our own. We are hopeless and helpless without Jesus. And we declare him to be the savior of the world and the savior of us. We thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Lord, we choose to have you as Lord. That name is one that you have earned the right to bear, Lord Jesus. And so we choose to have you in your rightful place, not only as our Savior, but as our Lord. And we ask that our time together today would be fruitful. We ask that you would get the glory. We ask that it would be for our benefit. We ask that we, as Lockie was sharing before, would leave different to how we came, that we would not just go through the motions of life, we would not just sit in the service, but we would encounter you, allow your words to impact us and to change us. We do thank you for the word planted in us that can save us. Lead us, guide us right now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Ask, seek, knock. 
I've always found it easier to seek than to ask and to knock. It was in my like school reports growing up that I didn't ask for help. I just tried to seek out the answer, like I can do this myself. And still today, like the most natural thing for me to do if I've got a problem is to try and solve that problem on my own rather than to ask for help, knock on a particular door in order to be helped by somebody else. And I think for all of us, there is a bit of a propensity to, to one of those, um, and we find it easier. And it's not that it's a bad thing to seek. Jesus tells us to seek and you will find. Um, but there is a time and a place where it is far, far better to ask rather than to just seek. So for me, if I'm in any kind of shopping environment, it's probably a good idea for me to ask rather than try and seek the thing that I'm trying to, to find. Yeah, and I've learned that lesson, or learning it at least. Because there are times that people just know the answer, and it's not a big deal for them to tell you the answer. And it will save you a lot of time. Ask, seek, knock. Simple, right? So Jesus applies this. So we have in Matthew 6, we've got quite a bit of Matthew 6 that's devoted to prayer. So Jesus makes it clear that we are to pray, that our default mode of prayer is not public. Our default mode of prayer is to go into your room and pray to your Father who is in, in secret and He will hear you. He will reward you. And He gives us the model prayer, our Father who is in heaven, a very, very famous prayer. So Jesus hits up prayer there, but He also hits it up again in this passage, in ask, seek, knock. The heading in here is ask, search, knock in the ESV. Ask and it will be given to you. Interesting that there is no other clause in there. It's just going to happen. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And then verse 8 just makes an even more ironclad promise. For everyone who asks receives. And to the one and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. It's a very confident statement that he repeats. It's going to happen. And of course, the context of this is this is very early on in Jesus' ministry. And he has gone up onto a mountain and sat down. He sat down. It's the classic Jewish rabbinic pose I am going to teach. I don't know if ever he went to just, he's going to eat. People were like, oh, he's going to teach something. But because he sat down. Anyway, I don't know if it worked that way. But he went up and his disciples came to him because they wanted to hear what he had to say. They had seen enough in him to know that he was worth following, but they came to him because they wanted to know what it meant to follow him. What does it mean to be an apprentice of Jesus? So they came seeking that out. And so for these people who had their eyes on Jesus, he then tells them some amazing things. He hits them with some pretty hard truths, and we get to this point where he gives some pretty amazing promises. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will will be open to you. 
when we get down to verse 9, we see this, this illustration that helps us to understand the kind of father that we have. We are going to sing in a little while a song that's pretty familiar to most of us, Good, Good Father, this declaration that God is good. And we see that in this next section from verse 9. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? A couple of ridiculous things. No one's going to like trick their kid with, some, with a rock or with a snake when they ask for food. Like sometimes if a kid asks for a lolly, they get told no, or they get offered something healthier. But when you ask for something that is good as a child, you're not going to get tricked. And you're not going to get mocked either. And it's an interesting one for us. As we come to God in prayer, we need to know that He will hear us. When we ask, He hears. And He doesn't mock. I remember being really surprised at um, my auntie who mocked my cousin because he brought some soursops to her. And it was a genuine act of love. He found some flowers, brought them to his mum, and his mum just mocked him pretty relentlessly um, because they were soursops. And I was like, surely, surely you can see the heart behind this. Um, it does happen sometimes where parents get it wrong. Um, and there were many, many times she got it very right as a parent. I felt like that was one that probably wasn't the, the best judgment on her part. But what Jesus hits up in verse 11 is, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? We don't need to doubt that he hears us. We don't have any concerns that because we've now asked for something, he's going to go and give us something bad or he's going to mock us. Like we present our request, we're told to come to him as children and to not filter the stuff that we bring to him. There are many times in prayer that I have asked him for something and then it's as I'm asking, I'm like, this is actually a really selfish thing to ask. But it's such a helpful thing if our primary place of prayer is not in front of other people. It is on our own in private prayer before him because there's no pretense. We're not trying to make it sound good to somebody else. We're free to be honest with him, knowing that he knows our thoughts anyway. He knows our heart. And so we're just honest with what we want, with what's on our heart. We come to him in honesty like a child, with the confidence that a child should be able to have with their parent. But unfortunately in this world, that's not always the case. So even in those cases where we are bad parents, absent parents, it's never the case with God, right? He is a good, good father. And as, generally speaking, we give good things to our children, how much more will our Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? It doesn't say that He will give the thing you ask for to you. 
But when we ask him, he will supply our needs. Let's go to him. Let's have him as our focus when it comes to asking, seeking, and knocking, rather than the things of the world. It's a really confronting story where Jesus is walking along and there's a blind man who calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Do you know what everyone who was around this person that's crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Do you know what they said to him? Yeah, shut up. Don't bother him. Like, pipe down. But he yelled all the louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's yelling. He's making a fool of himself. And what happens? Yeah. Jesus asks that he would be brought to him. What do you want? I want to see. And he heals him. He's then... He then receives the thing that he sought out. I just wonder, are we willing to look like a fool in the same way that this guy was? Because I've got nothing to lose. I can't see. I want to be able to see. Jesus can fix me. So he asked. You'd say metaphorically there was some seeking and there was some knocking that was going on. You knock to get someone's attention, right? They even got Sanchez's attention just then. That's not that easy. Ask, seek, knock. Who are we trying to get the attention of? Who do we think is best able to help us? I referenced the classic example earlier of a child asking for lollies. A child that's asking for lollies may be hungry, not always, but they want something. They suddenly have your attention. What you give them may be different than what they're asking because you know a bigger picture. We so often ask God for things that aren't actually the best thing for us. He is the good, good father, and he knows what's best. Let's not stress so much about asking for exactly the right things. And just make sure we ask the right person. We seek, we knock. Let's focus on him. And not worry about how we look to others. When we're going to him first, when it seems ridiculous that we would do so. He will not ignore you. He will not mock you. And he will not hurt you. He's not going to give you something that is bad. And sometimes that means he won't give you what you want because that can be harmful. It's interesting, we get to verse 12 and then the switch almost. Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. For this is the law and the prophets. So a switch from what we want, what we need, to what others want and need. 
And for us as a disciple, the basic principle comes to us in Matthew chapter 10 as Jesus sends out the 70. Freely you have received, freely give. So we are to go to God with what we need and even what we want, unfiltered, just go to Him and there'll be correction that comes in that process and that's all part of it, that's great. But we go to Him. And then we receive from Him and we give to others. This is absolutely revolutionary. There is no one else that teaches what Jesus teaches. Whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. I think it was Confucius who his response when someone asked him, what is the best thing you can do essentially for society? And he said, reciprocity. Is that how you say it? That one. Whatever, essentially what he said was, if you don't want it done to you, don't do it to others. And so much of the law around the world is based on that. And it's much easier to legislate that sort of thing. Don't do the bad stuff to others rather than be proactive and do the good. We are called to not do the bad stuff, absolutely, but we are also called to do the good. It's often been used as a bit of a slide on Christians, do-gooders. Yeah, we are called to do good. It is true. We are do-gooders. But the big misunderstanding is that people would assume that we do good in order for God to notice us, for God to accept us and love us. It's the other way around. It's because He has noted up, noticed us. He has loved us. He has forgiven us. He has been so generous with us that our response is to do good to others. It's not for approval it's because of approval it's from that place of being approved of being set free that we love others and we serve them and i think there's something in that just around our tendency to be about the negative you know and i think it's right across the world but definitely in in christianity you know who are we we are people who don't do this and we don't do that and we definitely don't do that as opposed to we are people who do. And it's interesting looking at the life of, of King David as someone who messed up pretty bad. You know, that, that whole thing with Bathsheba, like he was seeking after something and he broke pretty much all of the Ten Commandments in that one nasty episode. But that same man, he was willing to look a fool in front of others. When they finally brought, um, they finally brought the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, he dances like a crazy man, and his wife gets stuck into him. And it says he was wearing a linen ephod. Um, she gets stuck into him, and she says that uh, he exposed himself. So I don't know exactly what he was wearing, but obviously wasn't as much as his wife wanted him to be wearing. But he was just so excited about the presence of God coming back to where it should be in Jerusalem. He was so excited about that, that he celebrated in a way that humiliated himself. Yes, he messed up, but 
yes, he also went after God's own heart in a massive way. And for us, our takeaway is, yes, we've been given self-control and we are to avoid messing up. But we're not to be so focused on not messing up that we fail to pursue the good. Fail to receive what he has for us. Fail to give to others. It's on us to be um, receivers and givers. Who we are as Christians is very much what we say yes to. I'm going to pray. Um, I've got a few questions we'll put up on the screen a little bit later. Um, and we'll reflect on those, have a chance to share um, over dinner. And we will sing Good, Good Father in just a moment as a declaration of who he is, that he is a good, good father. Let's go to him in prayer. Let's not second guess and, and try and get the words right when we go to him. Let's just get the person right. We go to God with our needs, with our wants. Father, thank you that you are utterly and completely good. Thank you that we can go to you with anything and everything. Thank you that you supply what we need. As we will sing a little while as well, you are my good supply. What a privilege to have you as our Father, as our provider. I pray that we would trust in you because you are completely trustworthy. I pray for each of us that our prayer lives would grow as we're just real and honest with you. We just bring it all. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm concerned about. And we allow you to minister to us because you give us your attention. We speak to you and we give you our attention. May we be people who are marked by that. Coming to you, receiving what you have and sharing with others. So they've recorded a different version, a different time when he's preached a similar thing. So I would lean to the second understanding. Um, but yeah, it's very much divided amongst um, scholars and, and co. But uh, with Luke chapter 11, so verse 11, so very, very similar. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So in Matthew, good gifts to those who ask Him. In Luke, the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. And there is so much encaptured in that name, Holy Spirit. 
and good gifts definitely is one of them. The Holy Spirit is the greatest gift that we could ever receive. And we receive the Holy Spirit when we say yes to Jesus. When we repent and believe, we receive the Holy Spirit. However, it is on us to put faith in God um, by asking the Holy Spirit. You might have heard people pray things like, come Holy Spirit. Saying come Holy Spirit is not denying the Holy Spirit's not already here, but you are just saying we want a greater understanding of the Holy Spirit, a greater experience of the Holy Spirit, so that the Holy Spirit is our dominant reality. And something that I've been putting into practice that I want to put into practice a lot better than I have, but I'm starting to put into practice more, is in times when I feel anxious or times where I just want something, to actually ask for the Holy Spirit to come. And instead of seeking out other things, instead of trying to find satisfaction somewhere else, I look to God to meet that need. Very, very simple, but very profound and very important. We are promised that if we ask Him for the Holy Spirit, He will deliver. He will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. Let's be people who look to Jesus. We ask, we seek, and we knock. One um, small practical thing that I've chosen to do just in the last little bit is I've noticed that my attitude towards alcohol um, it isn't great. Uh, there's, there's remnants from my past uh, that I've brought into today. Um, I've had plenty of times when I've chosen to, to not drink for a season, um, but I've chosen something that I've found more challenging in the past little bit. It's only the last week or two. Um, and that is to have a one drink, self-imposed one drink limit. Um, and in isolation uh, and in lockdown uh, and in, on holiday, uh, three times that that's been challenged. Um, but just choosing to go, no, I've noticed that there's some things about my attitude that aren't healthy. Um, and so I'm going to seek to change that and invite the Holy Spirit into this area of my life um, so that I will... Um, benefit and, and live differently. Um, I just encourage you, we're going to actually, Esther, if you could put those uh, questions up now. Um, we're about to have dinner, so dinner has been delivered. Um, and so Scotty uh, will bring that around in just a minute. Um, so yeah, take a seat um, and let's eat. And let's also just check in with each other, um, ask some questions. You don't need to ask all of those, but there's some suggestions of what you might ask to get some discussion going uh, because we want to put this into practice we don't want to be just hearers of the word we want to be doers of it we want it to change us um, so let's spend some time doing that and thank you father for this food amen